Welcome to the EventCore 360 podcast, where we explore different aspects of the event industry with experts in the field. Join us on this journey, expand your knowledge, and get inspired. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the EventCore 360 podcast. I'm Lizzie, the marketing specialist at EventCore and one of the co-hosts. And I'm Ann Plana, VP of Strategic Initiatives and the other co-host. On this episode, which is our second CEO to CEO segment on the podcast, we're excited to have as our guest, Hillary Laney, owner and CEO of Evia. Evia is a leading hybrid and digital event solution provider in the event technology industry. And this is a company that we work with very closely. EventCore and Evia have a great partner relationship, so much so that we invited them to co-present in a webinar last month. But today, Hillary's talking with our CEO, Mark, about the importance of strong partnerships, the impact of being a woman CEO in the tech industry, and what she thinks we can take away from the COVID-19 pandemic. Hillary is very passionate about DEI, or diversity, equity, and inclusion. During this conversation, she emphasizes why our industry needs to do a better job in this area and why she strives to partner with companies who embody the same goals that she and Evia do. I really admire her passion and really respect all that she's accomplished. I look up to her both personally and professionally, and I'm thankful for this strong relationship that we have with Evia as an industry partner. In a lot of ways, a true partnership is like a good marriage. Choosing a good partner is not just about sharing passions, but also honesty, transparency, and solving problems together. We think you'll really enjoy hearing Hillary's insights and learning more about the work that Evie is doing in our industry right now. She brings a light and fun perspective to events, but her passion is equally as strong and that shines through. This is a great episode for all event professionals to listen in on. Without any further ado, we will let Hillary and Mark take it away. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome our guest, Hillary Laney, owner and CEO of Evia. Welcome, Hillary. I'm glad you joined me today. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm extremely excited for this conversation today. Uh, I am as well. I am as well. So, Hillary and I have known each other for, truthfully, not very long. I, I think it was only last January that we've met in person. But our companies have known each other for many, many years. And in particular, over the past oh, I would say three to five months, we've been doing a lot of work together in response to some things that have been going on, namely COVID and how our industry has had to respond to the impact on it. So with that being said, I think today, Hillary, what I wanted to talk to you about is one of the themes for our discussion is partnership. Because as you and I both know, partnership as we have with each other, has been an essential tool navigating some of the troubled waters we've experienced as of late. So if you would join me in kind of diving into what partnerships mean for you and for me and for us, I think it'd be great for for our audience to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. And I just to kind of add on to that, I mean, partnerships for Evia and the way that we've conducted business since the beginning <laughs> has relied heavily on our partnerships and the other vendors that we integrate with and work with to make the events a success and definitely EventCore being one of the main ones for us as of late. And so I think this is a really good conversation to have and hopefully some people can take some tips and tricks and <laughs> learn some things from the discussion. That's great, Hillary. So I want to ask you, what are some of the things regarding partnerships that you think are most critical to them being successful? 
First and foremost, I think it's a complementary blend of services and or product. I think that is critical right up front, making sure that it makes sense either if it's like in our case, a technology solution, really having those conversations up front about not only at the leadership level, but at the team level (laughs) about who the customer is, what the problem is we're trying to solve, and does the two solutions that are coming together really make sense with one another. I would carry that over to services as well. I think when you're in the event environment, especially, and you're bringing in various suppliers to solve different problems, there's oftentimes overlap, right? And so kind of working out which parts am I going to own versus which parts are you going to own and how do we come up with the best solution? And I think once you get all of that hashed out, <laughs> roles and responsibilities, yeah. I suppose, yeah. is the easy way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then from where I sit, it's transparency, you know, and it's just if you've committed to that partnership and you've decided, OK, we're going to work together on this you're committed at that point. So you might as well work together as one and, you know, help each other out, lean on each other, call, you know, not call each other out, but definitely identify like, Hey, if I'm having a challenge, I need to let you know that like we've, we've got something to work out here and it's not going the way that it should. So let's solve that. I actually think it's fair to say in some ways to call each other out. And I don't mean like call each other out in a shaming way, but rather to have that level of honesty and ability to to really, really communicate as partners and be able to work through issues as they come up. Because, you know, if you were to ask me that same question, a few things I would build on would be, again, the honesty part, the transparency, and, you know, sort of the collaboration and that as we work on this project together, we truly are working as a team in partnership and everything that means. And then backing up to something you said earlier, uh, I kind of, well, nobody can see me because we're on a podcast, but I smile when I heard you say that the products and companies should be complementary because yes, they should be complementary with an E in that they should be able to fill in holes that the other can't do so that the end product is something greater than the sum of its parts, but also complementary in that they should really bring out the best in each other, right? Because if you're going to be in a partnership, it's best to be in one where you truly bring out the best in the company with whom you're partnering. And I think that's so important. And these are aspects of partnership that go beyond kind of the technical nuts and bolts about why you do something, but rather what would make it successful. And just like in, I would say, a friendship, a marriage, any other kind of relationship, there needs to be a little bit of magic in order for it to, to be meaningful and move forward in a way that's going to benefit both, both both companies. I agree. And actually, Mark, something you said made me think about a conversation you and I had a while back about values and yes. Yes. just really making sure that the approach that you're going to take with your customers, that you do take with your customers, that you should have the same expectation of your partner. And, you know, that if we're going to service a a customer together, you want that customer to feel like it's a seamless experience, right? And that they're getting a holistic approach. And if the values aren't aligned, and therefore the team members within each of those organizations are not operating on the same set of values, 
you know, and I've experienced this the hard way in, in previous relationships where it, it, it was different. And we actually didn't realize it until we got into executional mode and it started showing up even just in day-to-day meetings, you know, on, on the calls with the client and the things that we expected on our side weren't being fulfilled And we ended up realizing it was just really, truly a matter of doing business in different ways and having different priorities for how we service the customer and the way we approach work, which obviously you want to try to vet that out as much as you can before you engage. But sometimes, unfortunately, you really don't start to understand that until the contract is signed and you're moving along and you're trying to, you know, kind of partner in that executional mode. It may show up differently at that stage. So I would imagine that you, based on those experiences, have probably altered the way you you approach partnerships now and that, you know, you might do a little bit more vetting up front. You might think about, is this a company whose, whose values, whose virtues, who's truly the way they handle their business in the world? Does that align with, with where my heart is and, and what my company stands for? Uh, and I, I would think that would be true. And I... I I would, I would hope that's true for EventCore too as we look at partnerships because for a company like EventCore, for my company, we are heavily reliant on partnerships such as the great one we have with Evia but also with other companies too because you know we, we are what I would call a best-in-breed supplier in that we, f- we do some hyper-focusing on registration. We've, we've branched out a bit as a result of the pandemic and COVID in that we've worked on some networking tools that are very cool, that are very applicable to the digital event space. But getting back to what I, where I started, having solid partnerships when you need those partnerships to go out and offer a better, broader service to the marketplace is so important. And to have partnerships with companies whose values match yours, I think is essential to the success. And I'm just basically complimenting you. If I could borrow a word from earlier in this conversation, in that I completely and utterly agree. And I've learned a lot, actually, through the work that we've done together, Hillary, because I can I can tell you and to everybody listening that working with Evia and specifically me working with Hillary has been an absolute inspiration to me and my company because it's so refreshing to work with somebody who puts so much of themselves and so much of what they believe to be true and what they wish to be true about this world into their company, which kind of leads me into what I want to talk to you about next, which is if we might leave the, the partnership discussion on the table for a moment and talk about culture within within your company and talk about the focus you have on DNI, on diversity and inclusion, because getting back to what I just said, it's one of the things I found to be very inspiring, very motivating, and made me want to partner with Evia even more. So can you share with everybody kind of what that means to you and, and what's happening at Evia in the DNI space? When I look back at my career and sort of where it all started, why it started and how it got to where it's at, and so much of it had to do with feeling empowered to take control over my destiny, right? And really looking at myself. I mean, I think leadership is so much of that is really understanding your weaknesses, your strengths, you know, the things that you know you want to improve on, your aspirations. And I'm just a firm believer that especially as a business owner, a CEO, a manager, any any sort of leadership, 
you know, within an organization, and that's not even always about title, but just if you're leading a team or leading people, you have to be, in my opinion, you've got to be vulnerable enough to really allow like your values and your own personal stuff to come out because that's what makes you human, right? And that allows the people that are looking to you for guidance and that leadership to feel like they can trust you more because they understand, okay, this person is human and they're kind of going through stuff the same way I am. And so I just, from the very beginning have been really upfront about that. And I think that the way that that's shown up in the DEI space for me is that, you know, I was, I'm a woman in the tech industry and granted it's, it's events. So there are a lot of women, especially in like the planner roles. And I've I've been really fortunate to be surrounded by some really strong, confident women in this space. But, you know, I'm running a tech company as a woman and I'm servicing other tech companies primarily or have been up until recently. (laughs) And it's all, and not to mention the fact that the part of the industry that I sit in is not only technology, but it's also production. Lots of, you know, I was in breakout rooms. I was in dealing with audio technicians and that whole side of the business for a big chunk of my career. And it just occurred to me, you know, as I kept navigating through it, I'm like, where are the women in this space? And, you know, trying to look for other forms of leadership and other mentors that that were doing what I was doing. And it was very limited. And I think that as I grew in that leadership, did that soul searching, you know, took over the business for my dad, really felt that responsibility. It became very clear to me that it had to be part of my business model. Like it had to be because I wasn't, I couldn't show up every day without staying true to the fact that I felt more women needed to be immersed in this industry and, and in the tech space. And there's so much opportunity you know, so much ability for women to really stand out in this space because there are so few. And I just, for me, I'm like, I need to eat, live and breathe that. So I'm going to do it. And so I've infused it into my culture. I've made it, um, you know, an expectation of people that, that are going to lead at my organization. They've got to be bought into this or they should go work somewhere else. And, and I don't mean that in the sense that you just say it. I mean it in the sense that we actually live by it. So all of our, you know, processes, our hiring process, all that stuff, we've worked really hard to get to a place where it's as equitable as possible. And, you know, from the very beginning, getting people involved, even in the application process and making sure that we're not just posting on Indeed, right? Kind of the generic place to look for candidates. We're seeking out places to post our our job descriptions where, you know, it's people, minorities, people of color, it's women, it's, you know, people who don't otherwise always get that same opportunity. So I get, sorry, I'm like getting all excited, but I just, this, it means so much to me. And it's a big part of why I do what I do because I just, I feel this obligation given my own experience and all of this to be a role model for others and to show that, you know, go for it. Like if you want to do it, go for it and, and do it. And plus, I just think, you know, as humans, this is how business should be. <laughs> and it just like yes. sometimes it yes. just shocks me to think that there's companies out there that don't think this way, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> that's just, that's, you know, kind of just how I, how I operate. As a father of two young girls, 
quite frankly, I'm going to make this part of the segment required listening for them because I think the world needs people like you, Hillary. And I think women of the world need people like you who can inspire them to take action. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot because I think one of the benefits of those who are listening to this podcast is be able to walk away with something, having learned something. So what what advice would you give the younger Hillary as she was just starting down this journey? What are, what are some of the very tangible things that you've learned that that people who are listening to this podcast might be able to put into action? Do you have any ideas that you might want to share? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say don't be afraid to try new things. Get involved. I think something that I did not do enough of was... See, and, and probably honestly, because I think there was not the availability of it. I mean, you know, when I was younger and kind of in my formative age, this was like early mid nineties, right? So access, well, there was no internet at that time. <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, reality, but it's a good point. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just think that young women today are very, there, there is information out there that is accessible that I think education, it starts with education and it starts with awareness, right? And so I think starting with, I, I just actually participated, my company, we're involved with an organization called Ignite Worldwide. And they're an organization that partners with schools to build out uh, programs for young women to get involved in STEM. So they do these clubs and they get the teachers involved. And it's really, their whole mission is to bring more women into STEM careers, okay? And they do with, you know, the organizations in our area like Google, Microsoft, and even small tech companies like mine, they have us host these field trips for these young women. And so they can come and listen to like a panel of speakers from that company and get some real world advice kind of to the question that you just asked me. And it's interesting because when I am talking to these young women who are, you know, middle school, high school age, and I'm really putting myself in their perspective of what they're experiencing, I just think to myself, A, you know, you're a teenager. And so you're kind of, you know, feeling those insecurities already, right? And B, to go and step outside of that comfort zone even further into a space that is most, you know, primarily male dominated, you know, it's a hard thing to do. But the cool thing, I think, is that now with technology being what it is and social media, if you if you really like choose your path through that, there's hashtags and, you know, all different types of organizations that they can start to follow and start to get to know and familiarize themselves. For example, Ignite Worldwide, where even just being exposed to these other women who are doing it and walking the walk and, you know, taking those steps and those leaps, that's, in my opinion, what's needed is more exposure to those examples of women who are doing it. So it's, to me, it's a matter of, of seeking out the information, you know, getting yourself to, yourself involved in it and being willing to ask the questions, you know, like I love it when, cause I do get this sometimes where, you know, younger women just starting out in their careers, maybe they just graduated college. They'll reach out to me on LinkedIn or, you know, and they'll just ask a question. And I, I think that most people at my, you know, at my stage in their career, especially if you're a woman in tech, more than likely you're going to be willing to participate in a conversation with someone like that. And I, I just think that that's the best way <laughs> to start yeah. to get comfortable with it and confident and start to build that self-esteem to, to take the, the approach. But at the end of the day, there's so much opportunity. There's numbers out there that show that there are way more tech jobs than what 
there's people applying for them, that there's so much availability out there. And then if we can just get the other half of our, <laughs> you know, the other other half of, of the, the population excited about it and they feel like it's it's accessible to them, it would make all the difference in the world. I hear you. And this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, of the EventCore 360 podcast audience is why I so enjoy my partnership and and the work that we do with Evia, because I I find this inspiring. I I hope that every woman who works at EventCore listens to what you just said, passes along some of these learnings to people who might need a little nudge and who might need to be have a door open for them because I think you're right. I think it's so important, especially in the tech space that it needs to be about opportunities and those opportunities need to be broadcast broadly and loudly so that the world can hear them. And I'm not surprised people gravitate towards you for that purpose, that purpose of learning. You know, Hillary, with everything that's been going on, it feels like, you know, we're talking about workplace and people, right? And I miss seeing people in the workplace. And and I really can't wait for the day to come where we're able to see each other in person in meaningful ways more frequently than we are today. But it makes me pause and wonder about the future and about what's going to happen to our industry specifically in the event space. I mean, we've seen a lot of, you know, we've seen a lot of companies changing what they offer to the market to have it be more applicable to digital. But let's take it even a step higher and 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 get a little bit above the clouds. And I do think cloud is the appropriate analogy. <laughs> it feels like a cloud has descended on us with, with COVID so far this year. But but with every cloud, there are breaks. And, and I think we're starting to see some breaks. It's definitely in, in my in my view, but I'm wondering what, what comes next. And, and given what we talked about, about partnerships, thinking about women, diversity and inclusion, these are some topics that are really up right now. And where do, where do you see all this heading when, when this cloud lifts and, and the sun comes shining brightly down upon us again? Yeah, that's a really great question, Mark. You know, the way that you phrased it actually really resonates with me because it truly has been just the past month that I've been able to feel some clarity and honestly vision for the future and getting back on track with where we were before all this started. And um, I think if there's one thing that all of us have learned through this, it's that the people are really what makes the difference, right? And, and the partnerships, like we were talking about earlier, and, you know, who can you count on? Who can you trust and truly move forward with? And I think what's great is that as hard as all of this has been, which it has just been catastrophic to see what it's done to our industry. However, if you're a half glass full thinker, which I am, (laughs) you know, you can really take a spin on this in such a way to realize that it's opened up so many doors. And although things aren't back to normal, you know, as we like to say, as things do start to get to a place where people are able to engage in person and reconnect on site um, and have that experience, the fact that we have added this whole other aspect of the event experience means more job opportunities, means more ways to connect people, more ways to exchange information, grow businesses, help to get ideas out in new ways. And, you know, when I think about the education 
and the connection that gets experienced at events. This just, it, we're setting ourselves up for some really great things, in my opinion. Granted, it didn't happen probably the way that we would have wanted it to. I think, you know, three years from now, we're going to look back at this. It's a snapshot of time and it's going to be this disruption that happened in our industry that opened up all these doors. (laughs) And there'll be a time where we'll be saying, God, can you remember back when there wasn't a virtual component? You know, there was no (laughs) digital aspect to an event. What did we do? How did we do that? (laughs) So what I think great thing that comes from that is, you know, people are adapting and, uh, you know, event professionals are resilient in so many ways. And I think I've just seen some incredible things come from people who were never in this space before, were never comfortable with it, in a lot of cases, didn't even see the value in it, who are now just believers and they see it and they're using it and they're learning. And ultimately, if we can continue down this path, it's a it's going to be a really great thing for the industry. And I don't know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what comes from it and the doors that get open from that. I am too, and and I, I loved hearing what you were you were saying because I, it's interesting how this strange and I do mean strange set of circumstances that befell the world really over the past several months has spurred so much innovation, and and I guess it makes sense that it did. But what's really cool, and you were talking about event industry and the people in our industry. What's really cool to me is that this was really an opportunity for our industry to shine through our innovation. And I think we, in many ways, are leading the economy, quite frankly, in many ways through this and out of this by showing that there's really nothing that can keep us down. And I think that's an inspiring story because if you looked at this several years ago and you thought pandemic, people can't travel, people can't meet, it it would have sounded like a death knell. It would have sounded like the end of a huge industry, but in fact, it wasn't. And quite frankly, in some ways, it could be the rebirth of an industry. Not that it, that it was an industry that was struggling because it was not, but rather one that was forced into thinking about things and doing things so differently, so quickly that I think history will look back at this moment in time and say, this was a shining moment for people who work in the events world. And so as as we look, as we move forward into that shining moment, I, I think it's interesting to point out that your company, Evia, has been, has been in many ways preparing for this for the past decade and that, and that you have always worked in a space where it was about bringing information, bringing presentations, bringing content to people who weren't there in person. So, and I know it didn't come about the way and it got accelerated. And, and for those who don't know, Hillary and I have talked a lot in the past about the evolution of, of, of Evia's product and where it was going. Um, and the fact that it's been kind of jumpstarted like many things with this. So, so again, getting back to the concept of what does it look like in the future? And you threw out the term hybrid. And for those who may have heard the term hybrid, but want to know more about it, Given that you've been thinking about this for so many years, can you what does hybrid mean to you? What, what, what does that look like? And what do you think hybrid is? What's the impact on our industry going to be? Yeah, that's a good I love that because and my team, we're actually iterating so much on this now because we're it's not I don't think it's going to be the same as what it was before, I think. But the one constant in my mind is that 
you you have to understand what the objectives are going to be for your attendees, right? And so what I mean by that is we're adding to the user scenario. So if you think about the attendee who would purchase their ticket on on the internet, you know, they'd go on the event registration, they'd go into your platform, they'd register for the event, they'd get their pass, they hop on a plane, they fly to the event, (laughs) you know, and every step is thought through by the event professionals, right? Every single step of that whole journey, what food are they eating? What hotels are they staying in? How are they getting to and from the venue and the hotel they're staying in? All of those things. This is just one more use case. It's another scenario that we need to keep in mind that we need to build an experience for. And I think a lot of it hasn't been solved for yet. I think some of it's going to be trial and error, similar to how it's been in the all virtual space of what works, what doesn't work. I've heard some ideas around, you know, for example, and this is kind of detailed, but I just think it gives a nice visual. So you have an expo hall, right? And so in the past, we've had these expo booths and you walk up to the booth, you start talking to someone, you get to know their product, you get to know them. When you start thinking about the virtual user in that scenario, so now you've got an on-site booth, an on-site attendee, where's the virtual attendee, (laughs) right? And what's your experience with all of that? Or is there one? Maybe there's not. Maybe that's part of the buy-in still of going on site. Or maybe, you know, I don't know. These are all the questions that I think all of us need to be asking ourselves. And to me, when you say, what is hybrid in my mind? To me, it's just a convergence of the in-person and the virtual. And it's going to be different in each scenario. And it's going to be really critical that we're all very thoughtful about that and put ourselves in the shoes of the people. And this is what my business has always done is we're always thinking about the working mom who just had a baby, right? And she can't travel because she has to nurse her child. And it's just not feasible to do that. I mean, these different, you know, the person who just got in a car accident and they've had surgery and they can't travel for whatever reason, or, you know, it's thinking about who are these people. And in this case with the pandemic and the risk of being exposed, there's going to be a huge chunk of the world who just can't travel for those reasons, even when when things start to improve and get better and, and they start allowing for it. And so it's just being, you know, having that empathetic thinking of who are those people? What are the reasons that they can't be there in person? How are they interacting with the event? And in Evia's case, we've always been focused on the content. It's always been about the education, the session content, you know, really making sure that whatever information is being exchanged, it's made available, that people have access to that and that they can walk away with something tangible that way. The networking piece, I think, is we're going to have to solve it all over again, (laughs) you know, because it's, you know, you've got the in-person and you've got the virtual. We're just going to have to kind of reimagine how that comes together and what that convergence looks like. But again, this is where I think there's so much opportunity out there um, to create those scenarios. You know, something interesting for me is I think about hybrid and I think about the different experiences, the in-person experience and the digital experience. And here's where I kind of can trip myself up or trip myself out, depending on, on which way you want to think about it, is is the goal for is the goal for each going to be the same? I'm not looking to you to answer, but this is this is something I think that we as an industry need to think about. Is the goal for a digital participant and an in-person participant, are they the same for the event or are they different? 
And is it okay that they're the same or is it okay that they're different? And that's where I think a lot of our learning is going to come out because, you know, if I'm a company and I'm thinking about putting on an event for a product launch or education purposes, and I think of a defined set of goals for what I wish my audience to walk away from this event with and sort of a call to action at the end of it, I'm not entirely convinced as I sit here today that that it would be the same for somebody who's there in person as it would be for somebody who's attending digitally. Now, the spirit of it might be the same, but the nuances of the outcome might look differently. And that's where I, I see a lot of, of good thing, good good opportunities for thought, constructed thought about what that looks like as we move forward. And then, of course, you you, you bring technologies to, to bear to support whatever you need those outcomes to be. But I'll, I'll, I'll look back on something you said in this conversation earlier, which is it has to start with the attendee experience first and what you wish for that attendee to walk away from. And I think as we look at the new world of events, some of the challenges will be the same, but the paradigm in which we address them is changed and now it's going to be hybrid. So I'm excited. I, I mean, like I said earlier, I think this is an inspirational moment and inflection point for the events industry. And, you know, working in partnership with Evia has been one of the great joys I've had as a result. You know, one of the silver linings, the glass half full, one of the droplets in that glass has been new relationships or enhanced relationships partnerships as we started this conversation out with that we've had together. Uh, And, you know, I truly look forward to seeing where this path leads us. Given everything that we've gone through as as a society, as an economy, really the world since March with the pandemic, the prevalence of COVID, its impact on us coming out of this, when we get back to the quote unquote normal what, what is your wish for the world? What's something that you hope that we all, whether individually or as a society, take away from this? What's your wish? What do you hope for? I mean, the first word that came to mind for me was empathy. I wish we had a more empathetic society. <laughs> I really do. I think, and especially in business, I, especially in business. And I that may sound cheesy coming from the woman CEO, but I really believe that. I, I really do. I think that empathy is needed. I think there's not enough of it. I think that, you know, of course, profits and bottom line, all of those things matter. You can't be successful and do, even if you're passionate about certain things, you can't implement them without it. I, I, that all makes sense to me and, and it's how I operate my business. But I think that there up until now, I think that there's just been a lack of it. And I think that hopefully we don't forget the compassion and empathy that's been required in this current existence that we're in. And I, I've seen a lot of amazing human connections and support. And, you know, as you as you think about it in business, especially, I mean, even, you know, some of my biggest competitors, some of the professionals that I used to have a hard time interacting with or working with, you know, in this new environment, it's like we've all just pulled together and figured out how to make this thing work and look at what you said earlier about the strength that it's created. And I just I think that it's really critical that we have a lot to deal with as humans humans right now. And even if a vaccine gets released tomorrow, we still have climate change. We still have, you know, I mean, like the list goes on, right? And we're still dealing with a lot and it's stressful and it's heavy and um, exhausting. And so I just, I think empathy is just really important right now.
It's hard not to smile when you listen to this episode. Both Hillary and Mark bring so much energy to their conversation. Yeah, and I love the transparency that they both showed. As Mark said, at EventCore, we rely heavily on partnerships, and that's why it's so important to work with other companies who share the same values that we do. It is so very important. And I know that we want to keep this outro a little bit shorter than usual because there was so much good content in Mark and Hillary's discussion, but I just wanted to quickly highlight how much I really appreciated Hillary's voice and thoughts on leadership and the importance of being able to recognize your own weaknesses so that you can become a better leader. I think we talk a lot about strengths, but we don't always talk about weaknesses and how to improve them. It's so important to be vulnerable, to truly recognize your values, and that allows you to then demonstrate them to your team. I agree. And that's a really great point. And I think that an extension of that is encouraging others to reach out to you when they need support, which is something I know Mark does really well. As a CEO, you need to show that you support each and every person who works with you and around you. And I love that they both felt strongly about being that kind of leader. Yeah, they they both are really great leaders. And I think there's so much that we can get out of this conversation. Another thing that I just really appreciated was how Hillary said the same thing as our CEO, our previous CEO to CEO guest, when Mark asked her what she hoped people would come out of the pandemic with, which was empathy. And I think it's so funny that they both said the same thing. I think hearing that again, just really underscores the importance of the emotional and personal connection that all of us really need. It's just that human factor. And that really comes through with both of them picking that same word. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was really cool that they both said the same thing. You know, what are the chances that both the CEOs we've already talked to talked about empathy being the biggest thing they want to come out of the pandemic? So I thought that was great. Hearing it again just gives me a lot of hope that the idea is far reaching and we'll get some traction. So we hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. For show notes, more episodes, you can go to eventcore.com. That's E-V-E-N-T-C-O-R-E.com. We hope to see you next time. 